started and grown several multi-million dollar businesses. His mission is to help you do the same. Welcome to the Business Growth Pod, building the future one entrepreneur at a time. The majority really are coming into this to really grow their business, build their brand, sell courses, get paid speaking engagements, become that name that people know and trust. Because I mean, think about when you see people on the news, they'll either say, you know, Julie Broad, you know, MBA, or they'll say Julie Broad, author of X book. That is the credibility in this world. It's degrees and books. So it gives you that level. A book is also a tremendous tool to open doors. In some cases, if you've applied to speak, you'll see it doesn't say, have you written a book? It says, what books have you written on almost every speaking application out there now? And it's also a great way to get in the door for media and podcasts and you know just so many things because you are the author of the book on the subject. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Alan. I'm a family man, an attorney, and an entrepreneur. Each week, we provide resources and advice to help build your business. Are you ready? Then let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I am very excited to welcome Julie Broad to the show. Julie is the founder of self-publishing services firm Book Launchers and an Amazon overall number one bestselling author. You got to check out her YouTube channel too. I was just looking at it about an hour ago. She produces some really good content. Even if you're not interested in writing a book or publishing a book, check out her YouTube channel. We might get a chance to chat a little bit about her content production. I can tell she has a team. She definitely has some people helping her. High quality videos and content. Um, But check that out. That's booklaunchers.tv. And basically, she teaches nonfiction authors how to write and market books to individuals. And she creates books, helps people create books that people want to read. So welcome to the show today, Julie. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about your YouTube channel. You have over 30,000 subscribers. And sometimes the number of subscribers can not mean a whole lot. But I can tell you put some good content out there. Can we talk a little bit about your journey in producing content, like from where it started, what your goals were back then, and how that evolved to where we are today? Yeah, yeah. I love talking YouTube. So my previous business before Book Launchers was a real estate training and education company. I started doing YouTube videos in 2009 on a flip camera. So anybody who was around then... A razor? It was so innovative because you it just had a USB and you just plugged it in and uploaded it straight from there. And so they're embarrassing. <laughs> Those videos are actually quite embarrassing. However, what was cool about that was how the connection that was built with people. And after they'd watch YouTube videos, they would just call us up and go, okay, what course do you have? Like, I need to work with you. And so when I started Book Launchers, I knew I wanted to do YouTube because I loved it. It's fun. And you know, I knew the connection that it created with people. This time though, I really did want to up the production quality and I'm still not where I want to be. COVID has really thrown a wrench in a lot of things because I'm not in the studios that I was in and things like that. But yeah, for me, what I do is I listen to the questions that I get asked and that my team is saying that they're getting asked by our clients, by potential clients, and I just shoot videos. So if I get asked questions on the YouTube channel, those go on a list. Clients ask questions, those go on a list. And so the content, really people say, oh, I feel like you're reading my mind. It's just because I am taking all the questions that get asked and I produce content to answer those questions. The production is is not as complex as it seems. I use green screen which the lighting is a challenge when you do it at home, which is why I prefer studios for a green screen. 
But we, we chose green screen after testing different things because green screen allowed us to add humor through the editing process. And humor was really important to me because I think, you know, as creators, our job is to entertain and educate. So, right. uh, and I mean, some subjects don't lend themselves that easily to humor as you're talking and I'm not a stand-up comedian. So I rely heavily on an editor who adds humor in post-production. But green screen allowed a lot more things to happen. So green screen was really, really important for that reason. So I've got a camera guy and then I have somebody who helps me kind of plan out the scripts now. I didn't have that before, but, and then I have somebody who edits and and the rest is me. (laughs) Do you go and like shoot like five, six videos at a time? Or is this like, uh, you think of something, you do it. No, I tend to batch it. I usually do eight videos, which is roughly a little bit over a month of content because I post twice a week, but I do live streams every other week. And so I batch eight at a time and then I I try to get the editor ahead. So we've always got extra content in case you're sick or something happens. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. I just, you know, saw your YouTube channel and, you know, I can just tell. So there's, there's a couple of different elements of content, right? One is the message. And sometimes, especially in today's day and age, the message, you know, it won't resonate unless, you know, the production value is there. You have to draw that attention. And I think we can kind of draw some correlations with that concept and writing a book, right? You could have the best message in the world, but if you don't present it in a way that somebody can consume it, where they enjoy consuming it, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I have, and I'll, I'll tie this back to the book in a second, but I have a couple of videos that are amazing content and I've left them up because they are great content, but the audio wasn't good for some reason, or the green screen lighting was off. The number of people who complain about that and don't regard the fact that it's great content. And that's what happens with your book. You know, a lot of times you can have just like a couple of typos or a really ugly cover. And instead of focusing on how great the book was or how much it helped, all the reviews start centering on the typos or the ugly cover or something they don't like. So yes, packaging is just as important as the message. (laughs) No, that's true. Like when I'm reading a book and I come across a typo, I'll keep reading, but my mind will be focused on that typo. Like like what were the editors thinking or can I trust this author at this point for like the next two or three pages, maybe the end of the chapter, I'm still focused on that mistake. So how do, I mean, how do people get into writing though? Like with, with that type of hurdle that they have to overcome? Yeah. I mean, everybody's a little different. Some people just get inspiration one day and just like sit down and start writing. A lot of our clients tend to come to us somewhere along the line of, I have an idea and I need help bringing it to life to that. I, you know, I brain dumped a book out. (laughs) Can you help me make it something people want to read? So that's usually where we come in. People that are, you know, really early in a business. And we were talking about this. So people who are earlier in a business, the book tends to need more support because a lot of the things in your business are still being thought out, like how you present things, how you describe things, the steps you take your client through, or even acronyms and cool things that make a book great, that make you know speaking and YouTube videos great. That stuff hasn't been thought out. So we tend to work with a lot of those folks and we have a story expert on our team that helps develop those things so that you've got you know trademarkable, copyrightable things that are worth having out there in the world. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of my listeners are about to pull the trigger on a business or kind of trying to develop the courage to do so, or within the first couple of years of doing so really want to scale their businesses. 
And one thing, and when you first start a business, I know it's chaotic. You're getting pulled in a bunch of different directions. I used to tell people, hey, I want to start a business because I want to control my time more. And then I quit my day job. And two years (laughs) in, I'm like, what did I do? I have much less time now than I did before. But then it eventually figures itself out. But one thing that I recommend to them is, even if you're not interested in writing a book, Start writing down your processes. So I used to be an attorney. I technically still am. Don't practice law anymore. But one thing I quickly realized is if you can't write about something, you don't know it that well. And when you write about something, it opens up the door. It shows you all these things that you don't understand. And so I'd recommend to those, you know, to my entrepreneur listeners, start writing about your systems. Start writing about what the process is when your customer comes in the door, what questions they have, things like that. Another thing is businesses should be writing blogs, right? They should be putting out content to help customers. You know, when they start writing about their processes and start answering questions, much like you did, right? Or and continue to do, putting good value out there for your customers. What's the first step? You know, I have somebody, they want to write a book. Step one, they haven't done anything. They have an idea. They want to write a book. What's step one? Get clear on who your reader is and how you're going to help them. And what I mean by help them is what do you think the outcome for them is after they've finished reading the book? So a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to write a book on leadership because that's what my business is. I'm a leadership coach or a leadership consultant. But leadership is too general, right? Like what, what happens once you are a great leader? What happens once you've mastered leadership? And then even deeper than that, because you're not Tony Robbins, you're not a name that everybody knows yet, you have to then define it even further. So you can't be just leadership. Like you got to be leadership specific to a certain type of person, industry, a very specific problem, leadership for somebody who's been fired and brought back, like, you know, get get specific so that it's clear who your reader is, how you're going to help them and that you're helping them on a very specific problem. When you do that, you're setting your whole book up for marketing success and ultimately positioning yourself and your business as well. And uh, just to kind of touch on the fear that I know some people are going, well, that's too narrow and my business helps other people. You can write other books. You can write a general book later, but to get known and to really kick things off, you got to go niche because everything is easier when you're more specific. And there's so much out there, right? With a lot of topics, I mean, general business, I have a general business podcast. It is a brutal, brutal world, right? (laughs) I know I've pivoted. So my podcast, you don't know this, Julie, but it started out as a pest control podcast, help pest control company owners scale their companies. And it did very well right off the bat. And then when I you know, got into more general business concepts and guests and things like that, I definitely lost some listeners and we've had to kind of work through that. So what's the process of kind of getting more niche with, with a concept? Like, let's say I want to write a book about how to p- help people in the service industry, you know? Yeah. We actually have a book on, I think it's called Surprise Restaurant Manager or something like that. I can't remember the exact title, but it's uh-huh. so, so taking this theme, you know, it's not about just being in the service industry. It's like, okay, now you're a restaurant manager. How are you going to succeed? Because you were a bartender or a server before this. And now all of a sudden you're responsible for the profitability. You're responsible for hiring. You're responsible for food ordering, potentially, depending on the restaurant. How do you do all of these things? So you have to dive deeper. So that's not a book for everyone in the service industry. It's a book for people who are all of a sudden 
restaurant managers and they weren't trained for that. So that's what you have to do. You have to dive deeper into it. And so I always say, just kind of keep asking yourself, okay, so once they get this, what's better, different, what changes in their life? And you have to keep drilling down because it's like hair loss. I, I've used this example before because my dad's a bald man and has been since he was 30. You could sell hair regrowth to all kinds of people, but my dad does not care, right? But it's not, it's not only about the hair regrowth, right? It is about what, the, what that hair regrowth is going to do for that person. So is when you have hair, does that mean you have more dating prospects? Does that mean you're more likely to get promoted? Does that, so you have to dive deeper into whatever it is that you're offering or solving and what that actually means and does for that person. And until you have clarity on that, you don't have enough clarity to write the book. Gotcha. So step one, let's drill down. Let's get some specifics. Let's find our audience. Who, who specifically are we talking to and who are we targeting here? How can we help them? And it's not a demographic because that's the mistake a lot of people make, right? They say, okay. oh, this is for men 30 to 50. It might be just for men, but more specifically, you really just want to understand their problem, right? So it could be for women, it could be for men, it could be for millennials, it could be for seniors, but it's not for all of the people in that demographic, which is why you have to understand that problem. Gotcha. Okay. It makes sense. Are you starting in in step one, when you're thinking about your niche, are you starting to consider distribution and marketing? I wouldn't. I would really focus on your reader, your outcome for that reader. And then, I mean, so here's the thing. A lot of people start off thinking, I'm going I'm to be a bestseller. Or they focus on kind of that goal. Like, I want this book to you know, make me $10,000 for every paid speaking engagement. You know, like all those kind of things. And when you put that as your center goal in the beginning, you're basically putting your ego in charge. And when your ego is in charge of your book, Generally speaking, you're going to make bad decisions that will end up making your book less marketable than if you just focused on that reader. Because here's what happens to a lot of a lot of folks when they are doing this, especially if they're doing it for a name in their industry, right? Because books are powerful name builders, right? It, it is a great way to get known in an industry. But a lot of people, if they focus right in on that, they then are going to their colleagues to say, what do you think of this title? What do you think of this cover? And what they're doing is they're asking, unless their colleagues happen to be their ideal readers, which is very rare, they're basically asking the advice of somebody who's not their ideal reader. If you focus on your ideal reader, you're going to build a book that is inevitably more marketable. And you can make distribution choices later. You don't have to worry about distribution choices now. If you're creating a great book, the world is your oyster. You can get distribution wherever you really want it. I would worry about that later and focus on creating that really, really hook-driven book for that reader. Gotcha. I love that. That's, I mean, it's one of those things that even when you're setting up a business, right? A lot of times people are like, hey, I'm going to make money first. Once I make money, then I'm going to give back to my communities, whatever, in whatever you know, shape or fashion. What happens is they don't ever make enough money, right? I always tell people, if you start with, hey, good core values, you're going to give back in some way, you find your causes, even before you have the money, then you're going to have both. And so it seems like that if you create, you know, something that actually adds value, right? The reader just can devours it and applies it and, you know, benefits from it. Then it seems like a good book would kind of distribute and market itself to some extent. Almost. I mean, we have one book out on the hemp industry, investing in hemp right now. It's called The Marijuana Hater's Guide to the Billion Dollar Hemp Industry or something. It's something along those lines. I'm not getting the title precise, 
And that book almost sells itself because the author is really busy. He's an investor, does a lot of consulting in this space. And it almost, you know, because it's got a very clear audience and a very clear hook, and it's really niche down, that book almost does sell itself with keywords and some other, you know, discoverability tactics in there. Uh, yes. So it really does. That said, I don't want people to think it's build it and they will come because <laughs> that's rare. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they actually, the guest on the podcast, I think he'd written like 60 books, like literally, and said something about how you need to figure out distribution before you write the book. And so that's why I asked that, you know, So that's step one. What's step two? Step two is the hook. So we've kind of touched on that. But once you have the reader and you have a sense of that outcome, you want to create a hook, which is really like a through line for the whole book and leads to that outcome for the reader. And so you want to get clear on when somebody's done reading this book, what they're going to get and really write that in one or two sentences so that when you're when you're writing the book you can ask yourself does this does this lead to them getting the outcome that they you know that I'm promising with this book and the reason for that is so many people have so much material that they don't actually know what should go in the book uh, and if you're clear on the hook you can just save that other material for a future book or for other content that you might create and only give the reader exactly what they need to achieve that outcome because we all have great stories things that have happened to us that I've done it too. I've tried to weave those into a book and I've had editors who gratefully say, you know, this is a wonderful story, but you know, why, why did I have to read it here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, and entrepreneurs, they're, they're terrible at that. I just wrote an article last week about a buddy of mine that came, he dropped like this notebook of like a hundred business ideas on my desk. And he's like, which one should I choose? Because he's so distracted by everything else. And I went through this process of, uh, process of explaining, like, because he said that, hey, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to fail if I choose the wrong one. And I told him, I'm like, you're actually, your biggest failure is by not choosing one of them and going for it. So that makes sense for somebody that's that's a business owner that wants to write a book because there's, I consider myself a jack of all trades and a master of none, right? That's a great characteristic of a business owner, right? I've never really been tempted to get into the nuts and the bolts of my businesses because I have people, partners that surround me that are much better at those things than I am. One thing that you mentioned that I've always wanted to know about, you mentioned the the term bestseller. I feel like that gets thrown around a lot. What does it take? Is there some standard I'm assuming to be a bestseller? What, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, first you have to define what bestseller means to you. So for some people, it's just getting that little orange flag on Amazon that says you are a number one bestseller. For others, that means USA Today or Wall Street Journal. We only do self-publishing. So you know, New York Times isn't on the list, but if you were a traditionally published author, New York, New York Times might be on that list. Only if you're published with the big five, New York Times is a curated list. <laughs> it's not a oh, real... Gotcha. I mean, And honestly, none of the bestseller lists are true bestseller lists. They all have rules of books that will count and not count. So none of them are true bestseller lists and nobody counts bulk sales. So a lot of speakers or consultants that are selling, you know, a thousand books to go with their talk, that thousand books, unless it gets routed through different stores, which is their services that will do that for you for a fee, but unless it gets routed through those, those never count 
towards a bestseller. So first you have to define what bestseller means to you. If you're going for an Amazon bestseller flag, it's not that hard. And I don't even recommend doing what some people do is in terms of gaming the system because Amazon's an algorithm. And once you teach it, who's going to buy your book, that's who they show your book to for a long, long time. So I wouldn't game the system by getting people who wouldn't otherwise buy your book to buy your book. But anybody who has even a a small audience can drive traffic to Amazon on a single day, choose categories. So there's, you know, sub, sub, sub categories, right? It's not business books. It's, you know, (laughs) there's, I don't even know. There's so many categories under there. I joke that it's like the women who wear pink in business (laughs) is like a subcategory. It's not, but I, I make it up. You can choose the sub, 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 sub category, drive all the traffic to Amazon for a specific hour, even because the sales are updated hourly. And voila, if you get 20, 25 sales, you're going to get that number one bestseller flag. So it's not hard. And it's one of those things we don't focus on it with our clients for the most part. We're just like, if you drive traffic to Amazon in your launch week, you're probably going to get that bestseller flag in some one of those sub subset categories. But just so you know, it doesn't mean you've sold a lot. Like some people get really excited that they've gotten this bestseller flag and think I've sold a lot of books it doesn't usually equate to that many books sold unless you're in a big category. Like my first book was number one on Amazon in print books. So I sold thousands and thousands of books okay, gotcha. <laughs> to get to number one in that print. Cause that was number one in books. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. It was one of those moments, right? It's like, I wish I could tell you how to do this for every other book, but you know, a lot of things just lined up to make that happen for me. But yeah, so that's one category. If you want to go for a periodical bestseller, like Wall Street Journal or USA Today, you're looking at driving sales through channels that aren't all Amazon. You want to have independent bookstores and bookstore sales. So it has to be triggered through online or physical stores. And you want to be And this is where there's no set number. So it really depends on what other books are coming out that week, what other books are driving a ton of sales that week. But, you know, a rule of thumb is that it's going to be somewhere between five to 8,000 books need to be sold in a week through those acceptable channels that you will then make those, those lists. So that's a pretty sizable amount of books. It's a huge achievement if you do that. If you don't make it, it doesn't mean you didn't sell that many because there's books that have sold a lot more that don't make those lists for some of the reasons we've already touched on. So are your clients engaging your services so that they can sell a lot of books or are there other reasons? Let's talk about some of the other reasons why somebody would write a book. Yeah. I mean, everybody hopes to sell a lot of books and and some of them do, but a lot of them, the majority really are coming into this to really grow their business, build their brand, sell courses, get paid speaking engagements, become that name that people know and trust. Because you think about when you see people on the news, they'll either say, you know, Julie Broad, you know, MBA, or they'll say Julie Broad, author of X book. That is the credibility in this world. It's degrees and books. So it gives you that level. A book is also a tremendous tool to open doors. In some cases, if you've applied to speak, you'll see it doesn't say, have you written a book? It says, what books have you written on almost every speaking application out there now? And it's also a great way to get in the door for media and podcasts and you know just so many things because you are the author of the book on the subject. Yeah, love it. So tell me a little bit about the services that you guys provide for your clients. 
Yeah, for sure. So we're set up really different. We're set up as a membership. And so what that means is as long as you're a member, we keep working on your book. Everything is included and we're very marketing focused. So from day one, we're talking to you about who we're selling this book to, how we're going to reach them, you know, what's the angle? Because at the end of this whole membership, part of the main reason why it's membership is because we have a team of people who are going to pitch you for podcasts. We're going to pursue speaking engagements. We send you in for book awards and library and bookstore catalog listings and all of that stuff that actually gets your book into readers' hands and grows your business when the book comes out. So rather than having an end date or a set package, we're set up as a membership. And then we have two levels. And the primary difference early on between the two levels is you'll work with a writing coach or you work with a writer. So it just depends whether you want to be the one doing the typing Either way, the material comes from you. It's just a matter of whether you're the one writing it or somebody's interviewing you and pulling content that you may have created and and writing it for you. Later on, it also means we're doing more marketing. So we do more paid marketing for you in our higher level. We build websites, we do email in the email sequence and lead magnet and things like that. Whereas with our foundational level, we're coaching you through those things. Awesome. So at what point does a potential author engage your services? Is it prior to even having a concept? Is it after the book is written? Yeah, I mean, we don't work with people that have finished books almost ever anymore, because what we have found is that a lot of the pieces that we want to build into the book to make it successful on marketing aren't there. So we only take books that are really at content edit or earlier. So basically your ugly first draft to your second draft. (laughs) And then we can build in a lot of the marketing pieces that we need to see so that your book is set up for marketing success. So before concept is rare, we usually want you to have at least a sense of your book If not your book, then a very clear idea of what you want your book to do for you. And one example is, you know, if you want to be a paid speaker, right, and you've got an audience that you want to reach in that paid speaking market or kind of a line of expertise, we'll work with you to develop that concept. It's just going to take a little longer than somebody who comes to us with almost a fully defined hook. Gotcha. This has been fantastic. Where can my listeners find out more about all the great things that you guys are doing? Yeah, well, you touched on booklaunchers.tv, which is our YouTube channel. So definitely check that out. I personally respond to all the comments. So if you ever want to connect with me, that's the best way to do it. And then you can go to booklaunchers.com forward slash business book. And that will give you a downloadable workbook to help you basically walk through the steps that we talked about today. It's a workbook that will take you through that so you can get started. And those emails that you get from that go to me. So you can just hit reply to that too. All right. I love it. I think you're doing some great things. It's nice to be in an industry where you're helping kind of just the general information increase over time. It's clear that you're a master of the topic. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a rating. And for daily inspiration and business tips, follow Alan on Instagram. Until next time, remember, we build the future one entrepreneur at a time.